Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Paul, Joe, and Lauren as together we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And one of the things that is most mixed up in our world today is the woke culture. In fact, uh, just recently, Paul alerted me to a very interesting uh, article from Stanford University. You want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, Stanford University published a list called the Elimination of Harmful Harmful Language Initiative. And it's a long document with over 100 words and phrases that you are no longer allowed to use in anything academic. And some of those words include he and she. (laughs) Maybe we'll just start there. (laughs) He and she. He and she. Okay. The most interesting category, actually, they have all different categories. So the first category is called ableist. Mm. And the second category... Right, I, I remember seeing, you couldn't say walk-in. Walk-in. Like you can't have a, you can't have a walk-in... Like barbershop. Uh, is barbershop. a walk-in appointment. No, no you can't because people, some then, people can't then, walk. And then they have like, they have... Uh, some people don't have hair. <laughs> there, there shouldn't be barbershops at all, I suppose. They, <laughs> that's true. I they, think and then they have like... at me, but... Uh, it's not. You have hair. <laughs> some. Ouch. Little. Enough that I still have to pay 30 bucks a month to go to a barbershop. But then they have recommended options uh, for what you should use. So, for example, instead of walk-in, you should use drop-in or open office. So a lot of times uh, companies will have stand-up meetings, which is like a very quick meeting at the beginning of the day to determine what the priorities are. That's that's no longer allowed. Mm -hmm. Also, you can't use the term OCD. You're supposed to replace OCD with detail-oriented. (laughs) <laughs> unless, of course, unless someone actually has OCD. I would assume if you're in a medical context, you could still use the term obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. A handicapped space, like a parking space, n- no longer allowed. No? No. It's accessible space. Because ableist language that trivia- trivializes the experiences of people living with disabilities. I'm not sure that that trivializes anything you yep. get your own parking space. can't use the word handicapped anymore it's person with a disability and then there's all this language that's called person first anyway i could keep going also oh. you can't say philippine islands anymore because that's colonialist you have to say the philippines oh but you know another one that you can't say is american american nope. which i thought was interesting because because the idea is that american is not just the united states that's that, under the imprecise language category right because people from south america are also american even though we're called but the we United States. Good, we don't have a good domonym in English. Domonym is like American, Canadian, Mexican. Demonym. So, so what do we call ourselves? Yeah. Uh, American. That's, that's <laughs> ours. Actually, in Spanish, there is some like Estados Unidos, but they made it into like a, an adjective. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. In, in Argentina, at least. Huh. But anyway. So what is, what's your take on all of this? I'm just going to open that up and let that can of worms just uh, crawl around. <laughs> Well, I don't know. My first thought is I think we're seeing that the definition of words are also changing, um, including men and women now. It's including trans people. Um, so I think it's something that society is choosing to do to be able to influence people uh, and I think just bring forth their agenda, whatever it may be. Um, but we all know what a man and a woman is, so you're either in denial about this, you know, these new definitions, or I think a lot of people think these are good movements, and that's what the devil does, right? The devil often takes something good and distorts it and corrupts it. So it seems like it's a good, it seems like it's rights for people, but, you know, with, with the transgender movement, 
a lot of people are being harmed by this, especially children, right? They're too young to be starting hormone therapy and be changing their bodies. And they're clearly being influenced, whether they're scrolling Instagram or being told at school, they get to choose their gender now. And we know that children's minds are young and impressionable. And I think oftentimes kids, whenever you present something like that, they would question, well, is that me? Does that apply to me? Like, it's kind of a natural way to react, especially sure. in a young mind. Because I've had a lot of young teens and, and even younger are confused. Oh, you know, yeah, that's a, a part a of growing who, up. There's a girl who likes playing soccer. Oh, am I a boy? Well, you know, there's a boy who's maybe a little more sensitive. You know, doesn't mean you're necessarily switch gender, but there's that question because you don't may not fit into gender stereotypes. Yes, and so what's the line of like being supportive and helping versus directly influencing people? And I think the line has been crossed, and that <laughs> is coming out. Because I think the respect also should go both ways, right? So if, if, for example, if somebody wants to be transgender, they should also respect the fact that as a Christian, we have a certain view on gender, and that needs to be respected as well. Right? Paul's looking ponderous. No, because they would say that that's dangerous language. It's dangerous. So, because we've evolved. I mean, part of the woke culture is that you've evolved from actions being dangerous to words being dangerous, and then for some reason... Or silence. Or silence is now violence, too, like in the Black Lives Matter movement. If you didn't put the black square on your Instagram, that was violent. Hmm. Think Um, of all the good each one of those black squares was doing. It (laughs) It could have saved a life. All those TVs that were looted. Yeah. It's all that good. Anyway. um, (laughs) So, uh, but I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I think the the woke culture... I mean, it, it used to... So it started... I remember when that term... It was probably like 2016 or 17 that I first... I was probably three years late because that's generally how it works. But um, when I started to hear that term pretty frequently and it was that you are you are knowledgeable. It's almost like you are knowledgeable of the things that Western culture has done wrong over the years. And so things like uh, and so using the right words, virtue signals that you are woke, that you are awakened, you have been awakened to all the faults and injustices and injustices that have been perpetuated throughout the centuries throughout the evil patriarchy and that you are awake to that and you are working actively to fix it that seems to be what where it all came from well i think that's one of the critical pieces is that oftentimes uh, in woke culture they will look at the past right and and mm-hmm. find all these real or perceived injustices but the truth is i, I feel like we can't judge the past with the eyes of the present you know, because absolutely, I mean, slavery is wrong and absolutely uh, discrimination is wrong and all of that is a part of our past. But we have to look back kind of with a little bit of compassion mm-hmm. on, on that, which perhaps was insensitive or, or downright cruel and wrong in the past, because we're all products of our time. Are we not? Yes. And also what people say and tweet, as it turns out now, will, will, be, will be considered dangerous in 10 years. Because well, we don't know. You can't predict what the future holds. I do wonder. Like, what what are we doing now? What are we allowing that abor- Oh, I don't abortion? know. Murdering, murdering unborn. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do hope. Lopping off body parts in the name of Manichaeism. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I do hope that, that we wake up to that reality. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff we do now that's terrible. Yeah. Well, a lot of the heroes of these people were involved in things like eugenics movements not that long ago in America which is just sort of like completely airbrushed out of history. It's true. Right. Margaret uh, Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, but also just like progressive presidents, or like the progressive, the progressive movement, which, which, which was um, you know, a cancer on both parties for a while, right, was tied up in all these awful ideas that 
you could somehow perfect man through a cleansing of the gene pool and whatnot. Um, and that was science then. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and if it had been enshrined with this sort of language policing, right, where you, where you had to have, I don't know, like um, eugenics affirming language. And ha- if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you couldn't in, in academic papers criticize it, then we may have taken a lot longer to get to, 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 to kill that movement, you know? Yeah. Well, that hits at one of the core issues here is the freedom of speech. Right. I mean, there's an old saying, right? I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Mm. And when we start kind of limiting language and saying you don't have the freedom to use this word or that word because it might offend someone, is that that takes away a very basic right on which our country is built. It does. But it's interesting because the right to actually like the legal right to free speech has never been more strongly defended in American history than it is at this moment in terms of actual legal precedence um, in Supreme Court and, and elsewhere. Um, we've never had more free speech rights in American history. It's a cultural attack that we're talking yeah, about, right? It, um, and part of that, part of the problem, I think, is that there is a portion of like the politically correct um, space that just addresses manners, right? Which is like, you don't say things to make people upset. You don't go out of your way to offend people when it's not necessary. Um, now, political correctness takes that further than, than, than any of that, right? Um, but the critics of, of, of uh, political correctness oftentimes end up just arguing in favor of rudeness. And then you look at them and you think, like, you're not the kind of person that I'm going to associate myself with or defend. And it gets very weird and confusing because it's like, well, if I'm not willing to, like, go out of my way to, make, to hurt somebody's feelings, does that mean that I'm some sort of, like, sellout to the woke mob or, you know, <laughs> like, whatever it is. And it gets very weird very fast. Yeah, I think I think freedom of speech. Yes, it is protected, and I think I don't know. Twitter files are coming out at this point when we're recording this, so who knows what that's going to look like. But um, after that's examined and litigated or whatever, but um, but I would say that the the culture, like you said, the culture of free speech is dying in this country, or it seems as though it is. I think we're starting to make some grounds against that now. I think there's enough groundswell, especially from you have people like Bill Maher agreeing with and having open discussions with Ben Shapiro it's things like that or like that would have wouldn't actually have happened 10 years ago probably they, they don't like each other um, but they can agree that free speech is important and free speech enables many of the other freedoms that we enjoy including freedom of religion because if you can start moderating speech then you moderate well like we speak our we evangelize through speech right and so you start moderating that too and we're seeing it a little bit well, that is the question, right? How far yeah. can it go? Can it take away that free speech to preach the gospel? Mm. Because sometimes the gospel is pretty countercultural. And and I think there's there's some very I mean there's very real um, effects from this. Like for example, in Ireland, not too long ago, back in September, there was a teacher who was actually arrested for not for refusing to use the the pronouns of the hmm. student who wanted to. There's another case. Uh, earlier on where a couple of middle school boys got charged with sexual harassment for not using the, the right pronouns. Yep. So, so, so this, there's some, it's not just politeness and, and, and mm. it, there's some real, real world implications here. Yes. That if you don't conform. Yes. Also in, in England, I think last week, there was a woman who was arrested for silently Standing for standing outside of an abortion clinic. I don't even know if she had a sign. I they, can't remember. They did pass a law in England recently. Yeah, where you yeah. can't you can't do it. You can't protest in front of. You have to be doing something. And so I think it's okay if you have a group of people praying the rosary. What about knitting? 
I don't know. Could I knit? That'll, that'll you, show them. You, you can't do nothing outside an abortion clinic. Well, and, and they asked her, and they said, are, were you praying? She says, yes, I was praying silently. And they're like, nope, come on, you're arrested. Come on in. They booked her. That's interesting. Because, I mean, you can't prove that someone's praying or not, but she was honest about it. Give her credit for that. That's probably why that doesn't work, because you can't prove you were doing it. Yeah. My yeah. guess is that she was probably, I don't know, there was no follow-up story, but my guess is she was probably just released, but... But again, like in America, so. we don't have those problems yet. Um, yes. But, but it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine that we would. I mean, even if you look at that, I remember that Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission mm-hmm. case. Yep. Um, that case was 7-2 with two progressive justices um, agreeing that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had a bias against Jack Phillips's um, religion. And, um, and it's hard to imagine that going the other way now. So I, I think that what we're engaged in is a cultural fight. And I think that the risk for those of us who value truth in conversation, I think the, the, the risk for us is an abandonment of decency in favor of a weird sort of like shock and awe, um, provocateur type thing, which is um, just so contemptible and beyond useless that it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's hard question, to not, it's like. But the question is who's provoking whom, right? So the fact that I believe that there's one man and that there's two genders is sure. somehow now a provocative statement. Right, that's true. And you can say that in a loving way. You can also go around saying, um, you know, the problem is that people just want to choose their own gender. That's not what the problem is. That that's just not that's not what transgenderism is, right? At all. Um, that's that's right. what that's doing is taking a mental condition that people are actually suffering from and trivializing it so you can get money off of your social media. Um, clicks that makes you an awful human being. I have no interest in in dealing with you, right? Like, so that's my point. Is yeah, if if I'm going to say there isn't such a thing as man and woman, um, those are immutable things, and they actually matter. Like in terms of sociology, and also in terms of my own salvation, like how I live and experience myself. And I want to help those who have a who who um, whose perception of themselves don't conform to reality. That's that, and if that's provocative, then be provocative. But. But to, to take that further and say, well, you just want to make up your own gender. What do you, you identify as a rock too? That, that's, that's not useful, <laughs> right? That's just you trying to make people upset so that you can monetize it. And that makes you a piece of crap. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I don't make any money from social media. So uh, no. I guess I'm safe on that count. But, but I mean, I could tell you from personal experience, just this past year, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got an email from a, a mom who was very upset that I taught the, the, my sure. confirmation class that there are two genders. Right. And but you didn't go into that class thinking, can't wait to trigger some libs and drink their tears, right? <laughs> you, you went into the class saying, I'm going to speak the truth well, in a loving way yes. to these kids, and whatever think, happens, happens. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it is human, and you could say it's wrong, but it is, like, if, if somebody, like, Why couldn't it, you say t- it tends, tends to be that, like, if, if somebody punches you, you tend to punch back. Mm. That tends to be a, a natural human but reaction. But do you punch back? But or do you or do you film yourself punching back and then post it online saying, you know, Paul destroys, you yeah, know, no, okay. confuse eleven year old and then make ten million dollars off of it. But, that's but my it, point. Okay, so Matt Walsh perhaps <laughs> is not the best guy to fight the woke. Culture. I mean, I think you you need. So I think so. I think that in society we've always had them. There is a role of provocateurs. That is a role in society that people play. Yeah, they for, always there's a, there's a role for circus clowns too, but I don't get take my cultural politics from them. <laughs> no, but you have people like I don't know who the famous one back in maybe 14, 15 was Milo, right? Milo Yiannopoulos. He was a well-known professional provocateur. Yeah, he's also a psychopath. Yeah, and he is now like. <laughs> I thought it was, didn't he become Catholic or something? Yeah, I mean, he had he a strange, a strange. He, said, he was making religious art. I believe he referred to himself as a recovering 
oh, what did he call himself? It wasn't Tomasa. He was a he's a deeply um, broken human being who shouldn't be yeah deferred to in any way. Anyway, he had a really good interview with Jordan Peterson where he got a little deeper in the uh, in the in his story. But in any case, um, but now you have people like Matt Walsh. He's like a professional provocateur. That's his role in society. For, well, now I <laughs> for why? What do we need him for? Because he's because it takes. Sometimes you have to demonstrate the absurd with the absurd. Okay, but that, here, that, okay. That, that is a, again, here's my problem. Another, it's here's another my, very... A, Lauren, Lauren, do you want to chime in on this? <laughs> I do like listening to Matt Walsh, so I'm curious what Joe has to say here. I think he could be a jerk sometimes. Really? But I think he has important things okay. to say. There's, so there's here's both, the thing. He can be both. Here's my, here's my current criticism of Matt Walsh. <laughs> As opposed to the one you had yesterday. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. it's never-ending supply with these sorts of people, but oh, um, I made this this film, I suppose one could call it a documentary, Um about what it was about, basically, he just walked around asking random a woman? people. Or what, yeah, what is yeah, a woman? Okay. Yeah, okay. Matt Walsh also was interviewed, I can't remember by whom, but he went on some interview show and was asked, okay, what is a woman? And it was like when the kid forgets, you know, like, he's daydreaming in math class and is trying to piece together what the question was. So, oh, well, but it's, uh, you know, it's, we all know what it is. The actual reality is that, like, if you were to, like, say to somebody, like, give me a definition of woman that is applicable in every situation, none of us could actually do that at this table. That you could actually use, like, scientifically determined. Now, I'm not saying there isn't... XX chromosomes? Not all women only have XX yeah, chromosomes. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I think, okay. I think Michael... Okay. Okay. But, my, my, yeah, but that's pretty rare. Oh, God. My, my, no, my, no, my, I, have, <laughs> I have little to say. Yeah, before we get into to Mr. Knowles, my, my, my own point <laughs> is that... So, Matt Walsh could go find uneducated people and make him look silly, and then make money off of it. Congratulations. I could do that, too, right? We all could go find people and ask them questions but that we know they can't answer. He couldn't sitting, answer the question himself he, so, so, at a prepared interview. So Michael sitting Knowles congressman. Actually, Michael Knowles actually said that, like, that that's the problem with the documentary, and they work together at the Daily Wire, right? I mean, it's kind of an interesting situation between all these conservatives all disagree with one another. But Michael Knowles says you don't need to have a de definition of a woman. It's self-evident. Like, you know, like, it's not just, just, sure. just to say it's XX chromosome is not in, in, like, Catholic teaching. We're both body and soul. But do you think Matt Walsh would have accepted as an answer, it's self-evident? No, that's kind of the point about right. going around. No. Yeah, his point was not to answer the question. His point was to show the absurdity of those who have different opinions on that question. Right. And yeah. I think Knowles's point is that, like, we don't, we actually don't need a definition for this. We all know what it is. It's self-evident. Sorry, Lauren, we interrupted I don't, you. I don't think this definition is hard, so I'm confused. An adult female is a woman, right? So that's like saying a woman is a woman. That's no, it's point. not. Yeah, it is. Because a female is different from a male. Right. My, 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 my only point is that it's a lot more complicated than just saying X <laughs> chromosomes. That, and, and, and what Paul is saying, the, point the, defini the definition isn't the point, nor is it particularly relevant, right? My point is only that um, Matt Walsh's goal is not bu the building up of the social discourse, with a clarification of moral truths. His, his whole reason for existing is to monetize the outrage that right-wingers feel because some lefties are dumb. I, I, I agree with you, and perhaps his motivations are not you know, the purest of motivations. Flannery O'Connor did say something very interesting about this, though. Uh, do you guys know who Flannery O'Connor is? Yes. She no. was, a, she was a, an author, an Amer American Catholic author in the Deep South in the 1950s, so like totally on the fringes of society, and she, she wrote some really fringe stuff. It was kind of weird and wacky. But she said... When, when people have good sight and good hearing, you can speak softly with, with very nuanced colors and tones. But when someone is blind and deaf, you need to shout. And I think that's very true. You know, when you're living in a culture that's blind and deaf, you do need to, like, it'd be nice to have a really long, beautiful discourse about uh, the nature of gender and the nature of just humanity. And, but unfortunately, people don't read that, right? Well, hang on, I'm sorry. Matt Walsh 
the Daily Wire has a, like a weird audience. They could take John Paul II's theology of the body and do a multi-part thing on it and get a lot of views. They, they Matt could, Walsh yeah, could do I'm that. Not, now he wouldn't make I'm as much money doing Walsh. it, right? I'm that's why he doesn't do it. I'm just saying, like, like it's easy. It's easy to say that what you're saying, and I, and I get your point, but because well, in the Catholic world, we have the same thing, right? We have Taylor Marshall, we have Church Militant, these people who are just shock jocks. Taylor Marshall acts as the Catholic make, provocateur. Yeah, they just make money on saying outrageous, right. bring up Father outrageous James things. Altman. Father James Altman. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. these, all these, these people, people are just like, right. they, they, Don't they help thrive the on it. Them. Father I agree. James Martin. Right. They're all, but they're all, my point is that they're all parasites on the public discourse, <laughs> every single one of them. That's, that's all they are because they don't, they, don't, they don't militate toward clarity or truth or charity. So to bring it back then, as Catholics, how should we respond to woke culture? So obviously not the Matt Walsh way, of in my opinion, mocking people and. Well, I I just want to say I don't think that is really the goal. I think his goal was to expose what is going on in this country right now, in the transgender movement, especially towards youth, because he did interview doctors in the field who are treating youth and just point blankly was saying, you know, um, so this medication that you're prescribing is used to castrate pedophiles, correct? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, we think that's good to do with. Small children sure. yeah, as I'm they're sure growing. Was, yeah, I'm sure he fixed some little across so, some important things. Yeah, there were some there were some revolutions. And there. and it's just exposing what's going on because the left is doing a lot of horrible things that are masked as being good, right? People want to jump on and say, "Oh yes, if my child is born a biological boy but identifies as a girl, then I want to support him so that he can be a girl." Well. What what are you actually doing to him? What is happening to his body? What medications are you giving him? Sure, but, but I'm not disagreeing with any of that, obviously. My only point is that we're talking about very, very, very difficult and sensitive issues, and they require... If you if I don't, by listening to you talk about the issue, if I can't tell that you love the person you're talking about, you're not having any positive effect. That's my point. Well, now, one of the, one of the challenges with <clears throat> this particular culture is that, is that um, not just transgender, but you know other woke topics, such as abortion and things, most people argue from emotion and not from a reason. So in order to respond to that, you know, as much as we may use reason and say, well, this is logically why it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because it's a gut feeling, it's a gut reaction, right? Hmm. So, so for example, when I tried to, to communicate with this, this mom, uh, you know, you know look, I'm, look, this is why we believe that there's only two genders, she could only think my daughter is going through this, I love my daughter, therefore my daughter can't be wrong. Right. She has to be right. This, right. This and she's be. been influenced by the media to think she's supposed to support her daughter with what her daughter is saying. Right. Because one of the big errors that the media tells us and the world tells us is that in order to love someone, you have to accept all their choices. And affirm them in them. And affirm them in the choices. And so, but as Catholics, but we, we wouldn't we can... cut off somebody's arm if they have that weird disorder where they think that they should have never had an arm. Well, right, but we all some people do. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> that yet. is the thing. But we and probably all of our listeners agree on the fun- Which fundamental is a real church thing. teaching here, right? So the question isn't, is transgenderism right or wrong? Like, we all are on the same page there. The question is just, how do you actually operate in a space in which that is not the assumed position of everybody else? And I think the answer is the accompaniment that you're talking about, Father, right? Because that's actually like, oh, you know, I went into this conversation being ready to scream at this priest for what he's doing to my daughter. But here I find a man who actually loves my daughter and it's just, and it's just and it's calm and is not trying to embarrass me publicly, is talking to me in private, and is trying to help me through what is a very difficult situation. That's actually going to have a positive effect. That's my point. And that's not yes, scalable and, and it's not, it's not, mark, it's, not um, it's not monetizable, which is why it doesn't happen. But that's the actual solution to the problem. Right. And, but also recognizing that no matter how kind we accompany someone, People are still going to be sure. upset and leave. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I've had to come to grips with that as a pastor. That Absolutely. 
And, uh, you know, there's one truth. That's it. There is one truth. We are created by God. We are creatures. We know that as Catholics, and that's been given to us by the Catholic Church. And a lot of people don't want to accept that. They can't trust the authority, right? Well, who says? Why can't gay people get married? Where's the charity in that? It's like, well, because the church tells us that. And, and because, they, they, yeah, and, and church only tells us that because it's written within the very fabric of human beings. It's, it's natural law. Which right. we're just it's defying self, more self, and more, I think. self-evident. We're defying like, natural law. It's almost like, why, why do we need to have a discussion about, for me, I don't know, maybe I'm stupid, but it's like, why do we even need to have a discussion about this? It's like, it's natural law that men and women like create babies and that has to, that condition, that fundamental unit of society needs to be protected. Right. Right. And so that, that's like self-evident. And, and again, these things were self-evident for thousands of years. So it's okay to have the conversation about it. I get it. But like we, we get ourselves, somewhat to what Joe was saying, but we get ourselves in trouble when we start parsing things out and saying like, well, these specific circumstances and this and this and this, that's because what the church says. But if you start arguing like this is what the church says, a lot of times people are like, well, I don't, I'm not part of the church. Or they'll say, why can't the churches change it? Right, yeah, why can't? Because a lot of churches vote on theology. We don't. They do, right. Well, And they don't trust the authority. I think (laughs) that that is becoming more and more apparent. True, true. But it's also just, I think, a trend in the current society, right? Like, just screw the patriarchy. What I say goes. (laughs) Can we go back to the... My logic, I know best. And it's like, no, actually, and the Catholic Church teaches that your reason is limited, yeah. Right? You you should not be making decisions based on your reason alone. You should accept or be able to use your logic to know God is so much more infinite and powerful than you, and his reason surpasses yours. You may not understand everything, and you're not supposed to. Right. And a very fundamental thing that a lot of people have missed is just the reality of original sin. Oh, All yeah. of us are broken yeah. in, in one way or another. You know, whether your attraction is to someone of the same sex or whether your attraction is to drugs and alcohol or your attraction is, you know, a thousand different things. We have this, this, what we call concupiscence, this, this weakness of will that attracts us to the evil rather than to the good. And that's just a fact of life. All of us struggle with it. So, but once, if we have this view and, and then it came, really came from the seventies, there was this famous book. You ever hear of the book? Um, I'm okay. You're okay. No, I, don't I didn't realize it was a book. I've heard the saying. It was, it's a fam- it was a famous book. It was like a self-help movement of being like, let's just affirm who you are because you're good in yourself. Actually, Catholics say, I'm not okay. <laughs> you're not okay yeah. because there's something fundamentally flawed about us. And that's why we need desperately need a savior. Yep. And, and it, it helps us to really interpret the feelings that, that, that you say, well, I have this desire. Okay, well, so what? That doesn't make the desire good. You step back and say, is this desire in accords with the beautiful teaching that our Lord has, has put forth about what it means to be human? Yeah, I think also it's, so to some extent, I think one of the problems that we have is, and yes, you are broken and we have that, but we're also not defined by those things either. Amen. We shouldn't be. Amen. And so, but in society, we have this, I think it's almost a heuristic, right? It's a simplification it's a shortcut where we try to simplify all the problems and all the things in the world. So it's, you know, if this person is considers themselves transgender, that becomes their entire identity. Not in, not always, but at least in the public sphere, they might. And and that, that that that's probably not all of them either. Just like how when we talk about global warming, we reduce everything down to CO2 emissions. And that's it. It's, everything's about CO2 emissions. It's the same type of thing. It's an oversimplification of a massive, larger problem condition, right. right? And so we do that all the time. And part of it's just human. We create, as humans, we create heuristics because we have so much to process. We have to simplify things down. 
We're like, maybe we shouldn't all the time for certain things. Well, also, progressivism, sorry, but progressivism, progressivism is fundamentally Marxist, right? Which means that if you use everything through the dynamic of through the lens of power struggle, mm-hmm. power differentials. And so it's not that the world is messy and there's complicated situations that need special care. It's that everything is controlled by this, by this external behind the scenes power hierarchy probably the church probably all men but pick your pick your demon of the day and that's who we're fighting against that's the ultimate progressive thing right we're progressing sort of away and out from the thumb of this like oppressive stuffy church society culture whatever it is it's a stupid it's fundamentally revolutionary so because of that if people who are woke get everything they want right no no offending words no you know, well, but no do they though no if if they yeah. if they got okay, that yeah, sorry, yeah. would they be happy no. or would there be another battle to fight no, no, no movement can ever succeed, or those who make money off of it will will be out of a job. So they'll always find a new thing to be offended by, hmm. especially because offense is usually taken, not given, right? So you can sure. there's no end of what you can be offended by, right? Yeah. Michael. Also, so so so, so back back to the list uh, under the institutionalized racism category. Apparently, brown bag lunch, like brown bag lunch, that's now banned. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the brown bag is because when I went to school when I was a kid, I got my lunch in a brown paper bag because it's the least expensive possible paper bag that you can buy. But that's well, now, now you can only use clear plastic, re- reusable. You cannot dispose of these. Doesn't this list, though, proves that academia doesn't actually have much cultural relevance, right? Because this, no, most people don't care about this sort of thing, think it's kind of funny to laugh at. Um, it I has, mean, it was front page of the Wall Street Journal. But, but to, to be laughed at is my point, though, right? So, like, so like, maybe. So, like, most people think of it, they see that and they think, oh, that's dumb. Like, yeah, silly academics, right? Whereas, like, at one point in history, what academia did would have mattered to society, but it doesn't because it's a dying institution. Is my no, point. no, but academia mm. does have of course, upstream does. effects on the culture. Sure. Things I, start in academia. But the a lot of what we have now started in matter. the 60s in academia, and now sure. those yeah. people are, are in Congress. That's like all very, those gender studies man, um, people that – all those majors in, that were in gender studies that we made fun of 10 years ago are now running diversity departments at companies and making hiring decisions. It's, it's actually it's remarkable. Uh, good for them, honestly, because they made – a, some, a career out of something that didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah. But but still, true. like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's going to grift. What? Grifter's going to grift, right? Yeah. I mean, now they're making, you know, four or $500,000 a year making hiring decisions as head of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. It didn't, those departments didn't exist. So, I mean, I think, yes, academia is becoming less relevant, but it's still relevant. No, and yeah, things that we make relevant, fun of in academia now end up, at least in the in in the past fifty years, have become part of the culture. Yeah, but I mean that's not going to be codified in law in our lifetimes. I don't. No, it doesn't right? have to so, be like, codified I, in law. I, I'm just I'm just saying be. that it has limited reach, right? Well, <laughs> again, for now. It's yeah. Again, for it's now. not. It's not about law. It's well, not. It's about culture, which sure, is no, going to change. I don't think that's yeah. having much of a culture. No one's going to stop saying brown paper lunch because University of Chicago or Stanford, whichever one it was, says you should come yeah, out of Chicago, right? I, <laughs> but did I, we ever think we'd get to a point where we're putting our pronouns in our email signatures? I don't. Wouldn't that oh, be you can't absurd? Use the word, oh, by the way, you but can't use the word preferred. I, I would bet there well, are companies that require that now. Because it indicates yeah, but, preference but, as opposed to a That's fact. true, but I, I just think that there's always been crazy things from academics who'd live in their heads too much. I mean, that's not like, my own point is that this is, this is not a sign. There's lots of signs of cultural decadence and, and collapse. This is a sign of the collapse and decadence of academia specifically in my, in my view, mm-hmm. uh, which no. I think is a quarantine uh, phenomenon. Well, well, let's come back and record this episode in 10 years and we'll see if, how about next year? Take we'll, be able, we'll be able to do this episode every year for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. There's now, I just heard recently, like in the military, they're avoiding sir and madam or sir and ma'am. 
to have more gender-neutral language, right? Because that's more respectful, that we're all gender-neutral. That's sort of my point, though, right? So, like, the elites in the military can say that, but if you know anybody in the military, they don't care at all about in, any of that stuff. Star- <laughs> Star- <laughs> they think it's dumb they're going to laugh at it to anybody who will listen. But do they have point. to do it, though, in right? In Star like, Wars, maybe. they referred to all the women as sir in the cartoons. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right, though, but but it, it, it does cause... It, for some people, like those in the military, they have strong enough character to recognize, okay, this is silly, but it is the younger generation that I worry about because I had a kid come to me in youth group about a month ago say to me, how do I help my friend? He, he thinks he's a cat. And I said to him, you can't help him. He's not living in reality. Right. I mean, in, in all charity, he's not living in reality, right? Right. So Treat so, them with human dignity, first of all. Right. Don't treat, him, don't oh, treat him like don't a cat. Treat don't, like don't, the don't, cat. don't pet yeah, him like a cat. Don't pet him and give him catnip, right? I mean, have no dignity. Terrible. That's true. But that's the reality, right? So there are going to be definitely some who are like, this is absurd. And I think some of the young people are kind of knowing that because when I taught in the confirmation class that there were only two genders, I did have one girl stand up and say, thank you. Thank you. Finally, someone says the truth. And I was like, whoa, that wow. was quite a reaction. What are they experiencing in school? You know? Right, exactly. So, so it's up to us really. I mean, I think the battle, the, the battle that Satan's trying to win is in the media and in education. Those are the two places that he knows if he can control both of those, he's controlled the culture completely. So that's where Christians have got to focus the media and education, because these young people are not like those in the military and they're not like Matt Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so we need to, we need to tell them in all charity. No, okay. This is absurd. And I, for me, the, the parable I keep coming back to, you know, the, the emperor's new clothes parable. Mm-hmm. Not one no? of Jesus' parables to be. Not either. one of Jesus' yeah. parables. <laughs> no. Well, listeners are trying to find see, that see, gospel I'm, right now. I'm actually it's kind of how, how few people know that. Lauren, you don't know? I don't I've, think so. I've heard on. it. Yeah, so so it's about this emperor who who is very self-absorbed and everything, and and these two charlatans come up, they you know these tricksters, and they go up to him and they're like, "We can make you the finest set of clothes you'll ever see. You will be the talk of the town. The only thing is, only smart people can see it." And he's like, "Okay, make it." So they they go through the whole motions of making these clothes. It's act, they're actually doing nothing. They look like they're sewing with their hands and everything. And so they then the the but you know the emperor doesn't want to say, "I don't see it." Because then it implies he's a dumb person, right? So he pretends to put on these clothes, and then he's, he's you know, looking at himself in the mirror. Oh, these are fine, wonderful, beautiful clothes, you know. And, and then he goes out in public, and it, and everyone's like, and everyone stays silent. They're like, wow, look at those beautiful clothes, because they don't want to be seen as behind the times, right? Until one little kid screams, the emperor has no clothes, and all of a sudden everything comes crashing down because they realize all of that was fake, hundred percent. That's what was going on right now is that nobody wants to acknowledge that all of this is fake, right? And it's, it's, it's up to us as Christians to, in charity and without monetizing it, <laughs> you know, I'm not about being a YouTube personality, but like saying, look, in charity, this, no, like you can't be a cat. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just not going to play that game. And I think that's all we have to say is I'm just not going to play that game anymore because it's a game at this point. It's a ridiculous game. But in charity, <laughs> <We've>, we, <laughs> this was definitely our most contentious uh, episode ever. Thank you for an honest discussion on the woke culture. The truth is, God's truth is ultimately going to win out in the end. And that's our hope. That's our confidence because he promised it. So hold on to that moment. Hold on. Live in the truth. Speak the truth with charity, with love. But also keep your eye on Jesus, who is the truth. He reveals to us, as Pope John Paul II said, Christ reveals man to himself. When we look at Christ, we realize what it means to be human. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, 
Also, 103.9 FM and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time for something a little less controversial.